0: Hello, welcome to Blaze Pod. My name is Ben. It is Thursday, the 14th of March. Of course, in this podcast, going to be talking about this incredible win over Brentford on Tuesday night. I've just about calmed down from it because, yeah, spent the sort of ensuing 24 hours sort of bouncing off the ceiling at how excited I was to actually come out and win that game after going down to 10 men. Incredible defensive performance, great atmosphere, brilliant night at Bramall Lane. Uh, so, I've got Jay, aka Blaze Analytic, to discuss that one. And we're also going to talk about the fairly big game against Leeds United coming up this weekend as well. So, thanks very much for downloading and listening. And I hope you enjoy. So, today we are going to talk about United's dramatic 2 0 win over Brentford uh on tuesday night and i'm very pleased to have jay mr blades analytic joining me to discuss it how you doing mate
1: i'm all right mate i'm just uh, still trying to google earth the great wall of sheffield
0: (laughs) there's a lot of people in that wall actually when i was sort of running through the uh, heroic defensive performances you basically have to include the whole team i think obviously there's a few standout players but everyone put a proper shift in um I guess just, just before we start, just to quickly kind of run through the key events as usual. Uh, so United went ahead through a penalty and Baldock kind of just nipped in front of the Brentford defender in their penalty area and went down. It was a pretty, pretty clear penalty. I think uh, Thomas Frank, the Brentford manager, said as much. Norwood stuck it away. Um, it was a fairly even game at this point. Brentford had uh, a really good chance when uh, Henderson made a close-range save from Neil Morpye. Um, and then Gary Medine got sent off, which we can talk about in some detail in a minute. Uh, personally, very clear red card. Wilder, again, said, said that it was a red card as well. Um, and then to say we were under the cosh for the remainder of the game, that was about 35 minutes gone. Yeah, to say we were under the cosh is something of an understatement. Um, but as it happens, Brentford... Did not really create a fantastic chance after that. They had, I think, it was 29 shots uh, in in the whole game. Henderson made a couple of very good saves. They hit the post as well. A lot of long range shots, though, and shots from not great areas. And uh, United got a second goal from a set piece. A uh, Connell won a pretty big header while he's kind of being manhandled by the Brentford defender. And McGoldrick, the substitute, nipped in front of his man, headed it in off the bar to make it 2-0 with five minutes left. And yeah, that was that was all she wrote for that one. But yeah, an, an incredible, I mean, that summary does not do justice to no. that, that what went on in this game and the level of performance. But I mean, where to start? I mean, I suppose probably the, the best place to start, what was the XG on uh, Dean Henderson's own slice clearance, own goal attempt that he uh, ended up saving his own shot? Pretty much on the goal line. (laughs) i got no no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what happened there. I mean, he basically just went to clear a back pass. It sort of went straight up in the air and backwards in the usual terrible conditions that we seem to be playing every game in at the moment. And uh, fortunately, he was able to get back and uh, punch it sort of out of the danger area. But that was his only only moment of... um, I don't know, questionable performance. I suppose everything else was fantastic, and uh, he ended up winning the man of the match. But where to start, mate? Where, where, where do you want to start with this one?
1: Um, I mean, I think I, you know, I think chronologically it's probably good. The first ten minutes of the game was a really good game.
0: It really was, we, yeah.
1: We started quite well, I thought, quite on the front foot. That, that we got the centre backs involved in the final third. When we needed to, we hit Medine direct and he was holding it up beautifully off his chest. We even got Hogan in once or twice and then it just stopped and Brentford just started popping it about like a Champions League team, basically. <laughs> they were just playing. I know you had Anthony on the last pod, great podcast, and Anthony was bang on right. Brentford loved to play through the middle. It's where they want to go and... To see them popping it about, picking up those little half space channels. Morpie, Ben Rama was really good on the night. Didn't really have much end product, but just that danger level that he had. Mm. Um, you know, and for ten minutes they they controlled the game really. Uh, it, they were having shots. I mean, it's weird actually. The best chance of the game Brentford had, had was what they created when they had eleven men, and it's the Henderson save from Morpie from across yeah. from Ben Rama, which at nil nil is a massive save. Definitely. You, you know, we can't get past that. It's a big save, and, and that was a, a top class save. And then we obviously got the penalty, which it was a penalty. I think it was a one of these modern-day-type soft ones in that, you know, it, it, there was some contacts. George definitely made the most and saw it coming, but it was a penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and then, yeah, then it happened, didn't it? <laughs> yeah,
0: well, let's talk about that then just very quickly. I mean, uh, do, do you share my opinion? Is that a clear red card for you?
1: One million percent, yeah. I, I, I think <laughs> any, anyone... Anyone arguing that it's not, he's it, probably got to needs to take the the uh, the bias glasses off. I think
0: I'm slightly surprised by the amount of people i have said say that they didn't think it was a red card. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I was sat on the cop and I was like, "Why has he done that?" I mean, I, I was surprised that the ref sent him off, but yeah. yeah. But at the same time, like two seconds, <laughs> just because it seemed like such a nothing incident, and then like two seconds later, I was like, "Oh, why did he do that?" So, I mean, if, if anyone's not seen it. Essentially, uh, Medin did a really good job of closing down... Um, is it uh, Konza? The yeah, yeah, back? Yeah. yeah, Um Did a really good job of closing him down, but then got turned. But it wasn't even on the halfway line. It was like high up the pitch in Brentford's half. For some reason, decided to just lunge in on him. And I, I really like half-hearted lunge as well but you know studs into the side of his leg essentially it was nowhere near the ball i mean it wasn't even like he missed the ball he would have had to go through the defender's legs and body to actually get to the ball and uh yeah it was a straight red but it was just it was just so pointless i mean you know the area that it was in the complete lack of danger from that situation the, the absolute best case scenario there is he somehow manages to win the ball and and win as a throw in up the pitch on the halfway line i mean I don't yeah. know. I don't know what he was doing. It was really, really stupid. Um, yeah. And and by rights, should have cost us the game. I mean, mm. you know, it took something heroic for us not to lose that game. I think. Um,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't, don't want to. You know, you don't want to be negative, too negative about medine because it's Medine. You know, it, it's things can be overhyped, whether he plays well or poorly, because of the whole Medine thing. But. Mm. It doesn't matter who it was. It was it was stupid. It was stupidity. um I, I don't care if people say it's overzealous. It, it's a nothing. What are you going to gain from putting in that type of tackle? Yeah. Just 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 press him. Just press him. Just force him back. That's you know. But it, look, it happened, and it, it f- probably for the rest of the half. It. I don't think. I mean, we'll, we'll get on to the formation change, which which obviously changed. It. Say, change the flow of the game slightly, but mm. I don't I think we were in shock. I think the players were in shock as well because they weren't really sure what to do. Because now they found themselves up against one of the best passing sides in the league who retained the ball beautifully, who could play in your own half under pressure well. Mm. And all of a sudden, we had to camp in our own box yeah. just to keep out. And he, he, you know, you could sense it in the crowd as well. There was just this kind of hushed tension silence. It was as, very as much was. a
0: oh crap. <laughs> I mean, they yeah, said it after it was probably the worst team in the league to play against with 10 men. Um, yeah, and I
1: mean you are looking obviously everyone's looking at their phones and things these days. You see Leeds are cruising and you just think, oh, this is it. You know, the, <laughs> this is going to be the one before Saturday, isn't it? It's the, the football gods are conspiring here, but you know, uh, you know we got some, we made it to half time, which I think is key and I think a lot of people um kind of understood that half time that something was going to have to change because we had no ball retention whatsoever. No. It was just lump it and, and get it out of the box. And I admit, you know, when you've got to do that, you've got to do that. And the great thing that I'm sure we'll get onto is this: this United side seem to be able to do that now. Yeah, we seem to be able to defend. But Scott Hogan wasn't. You know, he's not an outlet when you need to keep it. He's somebody who you can play in or play over the top when you've got a lot of possession. And it, it, it was the right change to make, definitely, McGoldrick, Um, because he, he does that. You know, he's got that control. He's got that link with the midfield. But I also thought, you know, changing changing the shape, uh, Wilder, he went five three, one didn't he? Yeah. At the start of the second half. So we tried to keep that United shape with the fullbacks. You know, and I, I think that was clever because it, it tried to give us an out ball. Um, I could understand taking Kieran Dowell off from no fault of his own. And I know Dowell was put in some great shifts at left wing back since he's been here. And I even questioned that myself. But that's not a game for Kieran Dowell. Um, you know, he's, he's a technical player. And yes, he can work hard. And he, he has worked hard for us, but... Why would you just, you know, he's he's going to be a passenger, quite frankly. It just needed the needed discipline, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, and, and we got that, but it still didn't kind of work in a yeah, way did it.
0: No, this is something I absolutely love from from how this game turned out, and I, I love it from from Wilder. It's it, it's amazing that you know we we went obviously we spent fifteen minutes or probably twenty five minutes from the red card onwards, thinking like, how on earth do we like just keep a foothold in this game. So he made those changes at half-time, and then he had the the brains, the balls, whatever you want to call it, to, to go after 10 minutes, or however long it was, it's not working. Like w- We're going to lose this game as it is. My changes have not worked. I need to try something else. And that something else was to put another striker on, which, uh, you know, I, I like this narrative of like, oh, only Chris Wilder would use his final substitution, went down to 10 men to take a defender off and put a striker on, but... Not to not to diminish that level of decision making, but it made perfect sense to me. I thought yeah. we have to have another player up the pitch because we can't defend. This can't go on for forty five minutes. You you playing You the percentages will say that Brentford will get at least one goal in forty five minutes if all they have to do is basically if they're just spending the entire game in and around our penalty box, they are going to create chances. That is what they do. They they're one of the best teams in the league at creating and getting shots. And it was just going to be, you know, we might as well just write the rest of the game off. So I I love that we made that change and brought Sharp on and, you know, had him getting close to McGoldrick. And, you know, while it wasn't like incredibly effective, it wasn't like it made it an even game or anything like that. It did make a difference. We did have moments, you know, we we won set pieces. There was, you know... There was one. Uh, it was quite far out, but um, it ended up coming to Egan. He couldn't quite get his feet sorted for a, what would have been a tap in. Essentially, you know, McGoldrick mm. was able to play his way into the box a couple of times. Basham picked one off on halfway, and that kind of led to a chance where McGoldrick chose to pass instead of shooting. And then, of course, we had the one where Sharp essentially hassles the defender who heads it out for a corner that ends up being the goal itself. And and that was it. But yeah, I, I absolutely loved that we tried to get back. We tried something to get a grip. It didn't work. So we recognised that and changed again. And that did work. And yeah, incredible credit to managers and players, I think, to get out of this game with a win.
1: Yeah, you can't emphasise that enough, really. I, I you know, I and many others will give, give Wilder the credit. But the players, to be so flexible, so to just in-game, in a, let's be honest, probably the most tense game of the season, with a lot riding on it going into this Leeds game on Saturday. Yeah,
0: so, so if we'd lost that game, we would be, I believe, five points behind Leeds going into that we, game. We, yeah, it would be five behind Leeds going into that game. Which, so then, you know, if you, you lose to Leeds on Saturday, it's eight gone. points and that's game yeah. over, essentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, people try and say it's not in the Championship. But if you look at the amount of games United, Leeds, and Norwich have lost this season, yeah, they ain't going to lose three or four between now and the end of the season. That's nope. not going to happen. So, you know, it would have been game over. So. The players deserve a lot. I mean, obviously Wilder and Nilly, you know, and the staff deserve a lot of credit for for, for spotting that it wasn't working and for having, yeah, for having not just the balls but the tactical wherewithal to bring Billy Sharp on, but say to him, you know, you're going on as, as an attacking influence, but I think you said it well, you know, Golgic, his touch map and his activity map, he's down at left wing back at times. Mm. I certainly I certainly counted three or four times when Billy Sharp's at left wing back and he bought a, you know, a tactical foul. Yep. You know, as in, you know, the ball comes out to him from about one of the million headers out that Jack O'Connell does. And <laughs> it's, you know, when we, for the rest of the game, and it's no fault of any of the places, for the rest of the game, we're volleying it down, field sharp, brings it down, does a little turn, gets a foul, right? That's five minutes, gets us up the pitch. Yeah. And and it's not... People put it down to just experience. He's, the intensity as well, Sharp, but on, when he ran and harassed, he did harass. It wasn't done out of, you know, wasn't done just for doing it. It was done with purpose. Mm. Um, and there was just a real effort and endeavour about what he was doing. It might have been because Mick Foley was there. Don't know. Can't believe <laughs> that. No. No, I can't I believe w- he didn't start. With
0: Mick Foley around.
1: I, 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 well, I think, you know, Wilder's already said in the, in the press conference today, Sharp's playing. He's starting on Saturday, so... Yeah. No, I, I, can, I can understand that because, you know, Brent, it, as it turned out, it was a game where he would have done a lot of running if he started because I don't yeah. think he would have touched the ball. So it, you can understand it. And, and that's what the squad's for now, isn't it? That's why we've got this, this decent sized, good quality depth squad so that yeah. we can rotate and rest. And, you know, it, it really did change the flow of the game and the fact we, we carried a threat going forward. Yeah, Brentford still came on, but. They they just couldn't get past that brick wall. Yeah, Henderson made very good saves, but Egan and O'Connell
0: they were massive. But I loved. Um, I mean, I, I love that we tried to clog the middle. I mean, you mentioned uh, Anthony S two stats there. I mean, he, he he put that out on Twitter before before the game itself. Just how much Brentford play through the middle, like how much of their play and chances yeah. come through the middle, and we we tried to clog that. As you said, you know, we kept the three uh, three central midfielders essentially. And the three centre backs as well, and and basically tried to push them out wide. And I thought this was really striking. They they ended up taking thirty nine crosses, and they they average about fifteen per game over the season. So you know, okay, some of that's distorted by the fact they had an absolute shed load of possession. You know, they had the ball constantly, Mm. but that is a lot to actually direct them out into into less dangerous areas. Because I mean, if this you know, there's many things our defence is good at, but I would contend that one of them is is dealing with crosses, heading the ball away. We maybe couldn't say that right at the start of the season, but I think that's certainly borne out in the last sort of four or five months. And um, yeah, they you know they got a lot of shots, twenty three since after the red card, but only three on target. Whereas ourselves, four shots in that period and three on target, and one big chance as well. That was the main thing. They for all their play, they couldn't create a single big chance against us. No,
1: and their and their XG was only just. I mean, my my model has it only just above one. For all um, those shots. It was not all these shots were poor shot selection areas generally. Mm. You know, Morpe had a couple of good efforts where Hendo made good saves, but all the Watkins, Ben Rama strikes, the Sergei Kanoff strikes, they were all forced. Um yeah. you know, yeah, it's natural when you've got ten men you drop back in your deep block and you defend the width of your goalposts. You know, that's the standard football tactics, of course it is. But the way you do that is what's important. You know you're going to do that and the opposition know you're gonna do that, but You know, there was times when I think it was frustrating It was frustrating for Wilder because you could see him physically shouting, John, push up a little bit. Mm. You know, Egan, because obviously he's marshalling the back line. Just just come five yards out because if we go too deep, then these shots that are from 25, 30 yards out, they're all of a sudden from 18 and 20 yards out and then they become dangerous. And I think we saw that Morpe had a left foot shot where Henderson made a good save. And there was, I mean, there was one John Flint block that was
0: brilliant. He just went flying across, yeah. Yeah, where he sprints
1: too. I mean, that was my favourite one of the day, apart from the one where O'Connell burst the ball. Is just, <laughs> that's insane how hard is Jack that, O'Connell. That but,
0: does say it all, doesn't it? That burst ball moment. But uh, yeah, I but mean, then, go on, sorry.
1: I was just going to say with the crossers, yeah, Brentford aren't a crossing team. Neil Morpé isn't a big striker, but you know, law of averages, you know, this is what, this is what Rotherham and Milwell is. what they play on, yeah, they've got big forwards, but you put the ball in the box enough and generally it will fall. Mm. You know, if you're putting 30 crosses in, a chance will come, and it just didn't. We stuck his head and his boot on everything. I mean, some of the he- clearances. I mean, Egan was a boss, don't get me wrong, but some of the ground O'Connell had to make up for some of the diving headers and yeah. you know, getting his getting his toe and his head on the ball to clear it out. And they were great clearances as well. You know, yeah. you think of not not just not just getting his head on it and it rolling out to the side and and being a second phase type chance. He's literally clearing the throwing line of the box.
0: Mm. No, O'Connell was unbelievable. I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to just uh, move on from that without really paying attention to it. But yeah, I mean, uh, well, I think we actually both tweeted this stats out. But yeah, two interceptions, which was the most for the Blades. Three blocks, most on the pitch. Ten out of ten clearances, most on the pitch. Five out of five headed clearances, most on the pitch. Four out of five defensive aerials. Two out of two attacking aerials. A block cross and an assist to boot. I mean, he was, he was literally near flawless. I mean, he, he just could not have defended better. It was. Absolutely incredible and yeah I mean you know those stats as you say don't do not do justice to no. the effort that he had to put in to you know get in the way of those shots to get on the end of those crosses get it out for a corner or a throw or get it cleared I mean it, it was just incredible and Yeah, I don't want to go back to this too much, but I do like the uh, O'Connell and Egan not good enough for Brentford thing. Thanks very much, Brentford, because they're definitely good enough for us, and uh, yeah, they're they're part of this incredible run of uh, clean sheets that we're on at the moment.
1: I just yeah, I I just think that the brilliant thing about this is anyone who watches the Championship, you know, there is better passing sides than Sheffield United in terms of short passes and working the ball out from the back even without Medine, we've never been scared to chip one into the channel for mm. sharp sure. you know, that, or that is, And I don't have a problem with that. But everyone who watches Sheffield United knows our, our wide centre-backs, Bash and Jack O'Connell, are ball-playing defenders. You know, they can step into the final third, they can beat you with a trick, they can run past you, they can whip across him. That's better than most defenders can. Mm. So when you see your ball-playing defender defending like John Terry on maximum effort, <laughs> then you just wonder how good is this man? Honestly, how good it's like when Harry Maguire played for us. We couldn't really appreciate how good he was mm. until he goes on and plays at a World Cup. Now I'm not I'm not saying that 24 Jack O'Connell will do that, but I could probably pick out five or six defenders in the Premier League where Jack O'Connell is definitely better than he.
0: He is fantastic, and yeah, as as you say, he's uh, he's still very young as well. I mean, it's <laughs> he has like probably ten years of football ahead of him. Um, yeah he's only just turned um, in fact he's, he's going to turn 25 in uh, in a couple of weeks but yeah it's it's hard to believe that you know we we signed him for what was it like 250 grand or something like that and he has yep. developed into just an amazing footballer and I'm so happy that we've we've got him to sign that new contract a couple of weeks ago because oh, uh, even the most cynical view is that's added a fair bit to uh, any future transfer uh, value
1: obviously you know This whole contract joke thing, me and you talk and joke about since (laughs) O'Connell signed his contract, he's had two of the best games of his life. Yeah, you know, and and when you just talk about the ages of the defense, you know, what one thing I've sometimes labelled at this team is in in key areas up front, we have a bit of age not quite on our side. Mm. Well, our our, you know, O'Connell 24 coming up to 25, Egan 26, you know, George 26, Ender's only
0: 28.
1: Yeah, we've got years you know, if things go successfully and you don't offload these guys, there's years in these boys at the back and, and they seem to be getting better by, not just by season by season, by week by week.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I,
1: I, I've never known United have this level of run clean sheets.
0: No, I don't think it's... Oh, I can't, I, I can't remember the actual stat now, but it's it's going back a long time, I think, since, uh, yeah, we had this run at this level. Um, yeah, it's 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 borderline ridiculous. I mean, I thought definitely this was the game where it would end possibly even 11 v 11 to be honest but yeah once uh once Madin went off uh said to my brother at halftime I was like we've actually done really well to get through those 10 minutes without conceding yeah. but yeah. I don't see how we go the rest of the game without conceding and then you know no, no, suddenly it's 60 minutes then it's 65 and then it's 75 and starting to think you know you're sort of watching Brentford like shooting from further and further away as you say and Think like Blimey, we could actually do this. And as it happens, we ended up getting a second goal anyway. Oh, what a moment that was! And when, uh, oh. when it hit the net, I actually <laughs> I actually thought he'd missed it. I thought he'd yeah, headed yeah. it over because yeah. he sort of <laughs> looped it up. I thought, oh my god, he's headed it over the bar. But fortunately, it headed it into the underside of the bar and into the net. Um, and uh, and our, yeah, and our
1: second second goal from a corner in a week.
0: Yeah, well, three if you want to count the Mark Duffy We're one, in, but I don't think yeah. it was a routine.
1: <laughs> no, it wasn't. It's, it, and there has been you know I, I, and it's people will say that's oh, a new thing we're doing it's not we've, we've been blocking all season long mm-hmm. you know for those people that watch we, we follow guys on Twitter who do set piece analysis and we've been blocking all season long Alan Mill is a very clever man on the set piece front. He, he does a lot of the work on those but I think in the last probably four to five weeks I've certainly noticed a lot more dangerous situations from set pieces might not have so. been quite goals but you know these little blocks they're working we had the should have been a penalty against Wednesday, perhaps. Mm. Um, you know, and I just think we've created a bit more from set pieces. So it's really, it's really great. We've added the clean sheets to the game in the last nine weeks. We seem to be adding set piece goals. Yeah. You know, it's all the jigsaw is coming together at the right time, really, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking back to that Middlesbrough game a few weeks ago. You know, that a, a tight game. We kept a clean sheet, got a goal from a set piece. And yeah, th- this is the difference down the stretch, isn't it? You know, just any, any means yeah. necessary. Get yourself a goal, get a win yeah
1: absolutely because we haven't we probably haven't played as well as you know we, we could have done in recent weeks I think we always talk about how results can have, give you bias so when you lose a game you must have played bad and when you win a game you must have played well you know obviously the red card in this game affected it but against Rotherham we created a fair amount but we never got out of second gear I think that's fair mm. I, I, you know I don't think we we, we played at the top level and maybe that's because the goal went in Rotherham had 10 men as well game state affects a lot but we could have played a lot better but we're cruising now. If you're cruising and just knocking off championship games, that is the sign of a bloody excellent side.
0: It really is. Um, just quickly want to mention uh, some of the other players that like really put in a shift. I thought Craney was excellent when he came on as well. I mean, oh, yes. it basically has just become like just Mr. Dependable off the bench, or you know, dropping him into a star. He's, he's I don't think he's done anything, anything below a high standard since. Uh, since he joined, no. I love signings like that where it's absolutely low risk. He's happy to sit on the bench for two months if necessary, but you just know he's going to be reliable when he comes in. And yeah, that allowed Basham to move kind of slightly further out. I thought he was sort of playing in midfield, I believe, for a bit in the second half. Boss, um, yeah, two so was great. I thought Fleck was defensively fantastic. Um, I don't have any stats was... in front of me, but some of his blocks and his tackles just just no, I was... brilliant.
1: I was going to say this, I was going to touch this. I, don't, I think Norwood, I, I certainly try and give Norwood a lot of credit for Norwood's defensive work yeah. because he, he's the best, He's one of the top 10 in division for breaking up play, but Fleck, three completed tackles, third highest for us, two interceptions, which is the joint highest for us, seven yeah. clearances, two block shots, which is second highest for us, and one of them was that one where he literally sprints like Usain Bolt and then slides across the floor to get in the way of one, and it was yeah. a pile driver as well. You know, and it's just that... That is brilliant. Yeah, And Fleck, actually, in the first 15 minutes, was really good on the ball as well. He was really involved quite, you know, it seems a lifetime ago, but he was heavily involved in a lot of the play because we came down the left quite a lot. Yeah. Um. You know, and it, it started to look like it was going to be one of the nights where John Fleck's really on it, aff- offensively, you know, progressing the ball well, carrying it well. So I don't think the boys in that midfield get enough credit for what they did because bearing in mind, we don't rotate our centre mids a lot. You know, if at all ever. So they're playing, playing every single championship minute on a freezing cold, wet Tuesday night and they're putting in hard, hard yards Mm. I mean, you saw two or three times where Norwood would have any other week, he's going straight through the ball and the player in these fifty-fifties, and he had to hold his hands up and apologise <laughs> for one of them because he was like, "I can't go, I can't tackle." Yeah, we obviously with a yellow card hanging over him, but he got away alive, didn't he? So
0: he did, yeah. I know. I was just going to mention that. So he's he's been on the uh, the cusp of this two-game suspension for I don't know, is it four, five games? I think it was probably the one before West Brom. I think. Feels like five months. <laughs> it actually does. I swear he was getting a yellow every single game, and then yeah, yeah he's he's got through. Well, it was definitely before West Brom because that that one that was one where we a few people were saying, "Oh, should we arrest him for this game so that it's available for Wednesday?" But yeah, he's got through that. Got through two derbies. Admittedly, you know, the Rotherham one was quite a low intensity one, um, and then this game as well, where he, you know he, he had to cover so much ground, so many players. He's managed to get through all that. Not only did he not get booked, I didn't notice any drop off in performance, no. intensity, anything like that. I mean, I think there was maybe one tackle he pulled out of in the first half, possibly, but it was like a it was a smart decision to pull out of it. Regardless, it was a don't foul him there kind of position. Um, so yeah, it, it, enormous credit to him to somehow do that. You know, without basically putting the handbrake on a bit. And um, yeah. I tweeted this before the game. Ass- uh, assuming you've got no yellow cards, then uh, barring any red cards, we shouldn't have any players suspended for uh, the rest of the season. And uh, yeah, Medine took that one into his own hands, unfortunately. But in terms of yellow card suspensions, it's pretty unlikely that we'll lose anyone now for the rest of the season, barring red. Uh, barring any more reds.
1: You do know now, Norwood's like going to get sent off against someone in a couple of years because it's just yeah. like he's obviously missed this suspension. So it's it's just the law of the world, isn't it? <laughs> Something bad's going to happen. Yeah. I just want to say. Final one on the defensive one. We have a Sheffield United record for the season in this game. Ooh, that is number of, number of successful tackles.
0: How many are we talking?
1: We're talking nine completed tackles. Can you guess who did nine completed oh, tackles without looking? By
0: an individual player. Um, oh, I actually know this. It's Chris Basham. Yes, you do. It is indeed. Chris Basham set a season record
1: for the Blades. Actually, I think that beats last season. I'll have to check the database.
0: That's a great stat. I like that one. Get that tweeted out if you haven't done it already.
1: I will be tweeting that yet. No, that was our season record was Ender Stevens with seven away at Norwich. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, And it's just been smashed, obliterated by Bash with (laughs) nine successful tackles, which... To be quite frank, if we end this season and Chris Basham wins the most tackles award, that will be the most fitting record I can think of.
0: <laughs> I think so. Now, the reason I know that is because I, I happened to look at it and uh, I looked at the the map of where those tackles were and it's it's basically all over the place. And you know, it's, it's
1: absolutely it's,
0: everywhere. It's in our box. It's in the right wing spot. It's in the middle of the park. It's on the halfway line. I mean, he was the one actually that won the ball uh, on halfway that led to a... Well, it, it wasn't a chance in the end, but it, it should have been. McGoldrick passed instead of shooting, I think. But yeah, a great effort from him. I, I thought he was going to get sent off. Actually, there was a—it <laughs> was right near the end. He sort of started steaming through players again, so um, he was already on a yellow card at that point. But fortunately, didn't. Um, yeah, shout out to Billy Card, uh, Billy Card, Billy Sharp's ass- attempted yellow card trying to keep up with one of their players on the (laughs) counter-attack, trying desperately to bring him down and failing.
1: The the Just just, just seeing little Billy scurry and like, I'm not going to catch him. Right, I'm going to clip his heels.
0: Oh, crap, I can't even even clip his heels. Right, (laughs) kick him.
1: Do something, Billy. Do
0: something. (laughs) um, Yeah, on on that note, I loved how the game ended, symbolically ended, with Brentford kicking the ball out sort of twice in succession because we pressured them so hard. You know, it was such a uh, a representation of a running out of ideas, finally just giving up the ghost. Basically, as as we were all over him, in terms of like defensive pressure and yeah, what a a lovely way to end the game. Like just to see that incredible effort get rewarded. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was just just an immense win. I mean, mm. you know, sort of percentage wise, statistically, not a game we would win very many times if we replayed those exact ah, circumstances 10, 20, 50 times. But the important thing is we did, we got the points and yeah, we move on. It's. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't really know how we did it apart from we defended better than probably anything I've ever seen from a United side before. It was fantastic. The only defensive lapses were from Brentford's short corners. Oh. <laughs> I don't know, know what was going on here. Like, Cause we essentially let them have two on one or three on two every single time. And, they must have got three or four, probably their three or four better shots when we were down to 10 men were from those oh, yeah. corners. That's the one yeah. that hit the post um, in the second half. But yeah, that was weird. Everything else everything else, I was pretty much fine with in terms of like, yeah, if you want to cross from out there, I'll, I'll take our chances with that one, I think. Um, but yeah, I guess just to sort of round off this game, and I remember saying this last season as well, but what on earth are Brentford doing so low in the table? Oh, do <laughs> I mean, the, the the easy answer is well because they lose two nil to teams with ten men despite having twenty nine shots.
1: It is as simple as that. That game sums up Brentford. So I know some City United fans are a bit not needle but have this old because so, they say Egan O'Connell wouldn't have got back in their team. You know, it's a bit Twitter needle with Brentford fans. But I personally love Brentford. Obviously, I I I love the data. I love how Brentford run their club. I think that a club of that size to be able to play the way they do, attract the players they have and, and sold on that they have, I think it's a phenomenal feat. I, I think it's probably unseen. Yeah. You know, I know we I know we do a lot on a low budget, but he's done predominantly on Wilder's man management skills and, and then Paul Mitchell's network of, of what's available out there. For Brentford to be able to go to Africa and France and buy players, you know, because the spreadsheet told them to originally, it's just, you know, they're another world and, and they play such brilliant football, but, I just—they must be—they must have the softest underbelly ever because yeah. they shouldn't lose that game. Just they should. Oh, I just—I I would be just so. Just frustrated. to jump in on that,
0: I, I don't want—I don't want people to misread that as like United you know, bullied them out of this game. and you know, no, Got, no, a, no, got no, a goal no. from a corner. It's not that kind of underbelly. It's just like, like Come on, yeah. How do you only win two away games this season, and one of them was you know Rotherham? Okay, Rotherham are good at home, but still, you know, that's not not the greatest of achievements. Like, that shouldn't be possible with this no. team to only win two away games at this stage. I, no. I mean, and yeah, they seem to be, you know, everything seems to be going right for them. They are. They look like the classic trust the process kind of team. You know, Create absolutely yeah, yeah. tons of chances, brilliant on the ball, dominate possession, um, you know, great predatory striker in Maupai. Ben Rama looks fantastic and has, by all accounts, been playing out of his skin the last sort of couple of yeah, months as well. Brilliant. Yeah. But yeah, here we are yet again. They're going to finish like ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth in the table. I mean, I know they're still in, technically in touching distance of of the uh, top six, but no, that, that's very clear, unlikely man. to happen. I, and I don't, I don't understand it. They are, without question, the best attacking side I've seen at Bramall Lane this season, in my I'd eyes, agree. probably by a distance. And yeah, we're I'd on. Agree. And uh, you know, there's, there's not exactly many great attacking teams left to come to the lane. I mean, maybe Bristol City we'll have something but um, you know most most advanced metrics suggest they're not that hot offensively so yeah, yeah. just just bizarre i don't understand it at all and i almost feel sorry for them you know i don't tend to pity other clubs very often to be honest unless they've got serious financial issues beyond their uh, their own making i suppose um but like surely they're going to get cherry picked again this summer brentford Ben yeah, Rama. surely Ben Rama's not going to be there next year uh,
1: more Pay will go Ben Rama will go Ezra yeah. um, Concer the centre half because he's, he, he's quite you know he makes errors but he's good and he's young and he's English so naturally yeah. he'll get sold you know so, uh, but they'll do what they do they'll go out just they'll retool. buy another set of wonder kit yeah just mm-hmm. retool up. it might take them a year to, to regrow because if they lose more Pay they've lost a lot and Ben yeah. Rama is a genuine class but it's really weird. I would be so frustrated being a fan of theirs because the, you you can see that your team, even though they're in 16th, you can still see they're not far off. Because <laughs> no. I don't think this league is... I think the three teams at the top of this league are a mile ahead of the others. Yeah, An absolute country, And I don't just mean that because of point. I think structure, identity, balance, mentality, tactical setup. I think we're so far ahead of the rest of this league that there is not much... I mean, the playoff picture shows you that there's not much between 5th and 14th
0: no there,
1: there really isn't much and if anything the team in 5th right now in Middlesbrough are probably not as good as the team in 7th or 8th in Villa It's and you know you
0: could probably say the same about Derby as well and you yeah. know Bri- Bristol City suddenly uh, after their run no win in five now with 3 losses
1: they're streaky it's what they do it's you know it, it's crazy it's just yeah don't want to talk too much more about Brentford, but they're they're such a beautiful team to watch when they pop it about even as a home fan with so much riding on it some of that play when it was 11 v 11 you're just thinking you you can't stop that can you
0: no you you just have to accept it like just do your best basically yeah good luck to them good luck to them because
1: uh, well let's hope we get promoted and maybe nick more
0: (laughs) (laughs) or or ben rama or some others that uh, that aren't good enough for them but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah just just an amazing amazing team performance like you know, we, we've talked about it on the pod a few times, you know, the, the question mark over United this season is like, can we handle sustained periods of pressure where we have to defend defend our box, you know, basically just seed possession almost completely. And we, we did that for 65 minutes, a man down, um, you know, it was just an immense character, technical ability, you know, discipline, just amazing absolutely amazing i know you can say oh brentford had 29 shots or whatever but yeah when you actually drill that down it was a lot of pot shots it was a lot of shots from poor areas and yeah we we were essentially okay with them shooting from there i know i reached the stage where i was like yep you can shoot from there i am very happy with that
1: the biggest compliment you can give us defensively is not to talk about heart and balls and desire all that everyone you could see that it was the fact that brentford completely ran out of ideas against 10 men yeah they just literally ran out of the ideas. The second goal killed them, obviously, mentality-wise. But even at 1-0, they literally was looking at each other starting to argue because they had no idea how to penetrate us. Mm. Absolutely not. Beautiful. Which is the compliment you can give a team defending with 10 there.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that that is probably now my best win of the season, I think, to date. <laughs> Every um, week, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well... Hopefully, it will only be the best win of the season for a couple more days. Because wow. pretty big game coming up on Saturday, which is of course Leeds away. I did note, by the way, that um, Leeds have to go to Brentford. Um, they do with a couple of games left, and Brentford at home results-wise are a very different beast to Brentford away. I don't think uh, I don't think like by XG or anything like that, they're a particularly different team, but they actually do seem to be able to win at home. So that could be they a mean, tough one. But yeah. yeah. Go on, sorry. There, may be,
1: there may be a marketable difference in performance at that stage of the season, though, because I would imagine at that stage of the season, Brentford would have nothing to play for.
0: That is a cracking point. Um, but yeah, so we play Leeds on Saturday lunchtime. Um, I mean, what to say about Leeds? They, they are just a really, really good team. They are one of the best oh, three teams in the let's,
1: league. Let's be honest about Leeds. The way that they play that style. as an opposition fan, if I was up at Sheffield United, I'd say they're they're incredible. The fact that you have center halves that come and play football and create chances and just commit to attacking is incredible. Leeds are an incredible football team. The intense they press, like their pressing statistics, are about two or three levels ahead of anyone else in the league. Right. The intensity that they apply to that, that press, the way that the energy, the athleticism, the dynamism. You know, that's just off the ball, never mind on the ball. These are an incredible football team. This is going to be such a good game.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a hard game. I mean, there's, there's no sign at all of the, uh, quote, Bielsa burnout, to be honest. I mean, they lost that game to QPR, which uh, I looked at their stats for that, and they did deserve to lose it on uh, XG and a few other measures as well. But then they've comfortably, I mean, they walloped West Brom. Uh they comfortably beat Bristol City. I don't think Bristol City created a, a single chance of note in that win uh the other week. And then they you know they were 3-0 up at Reading at half time, which is you know, I'm not sure how much of a, a barometer that is, but yeah, I, I certainly didn't expect them to drop any points there. But yeah, the the loss of uh Kimo Roof doesn't seem to damage them in the slightest. You know, they're still creating the most shots in the league, the second most inside the box um and yeah dominate possession highest passes per game in the whole league behind swansea and defensively very strong as well so yeah i i still have them as um i still have as, as outsiders to to get an automatic promotion spot but the fact yeah. that we've got to this game in with a shout is a great effort but and i guess incredible. i guess now you never know it we've got a chance to yeah take control
1: you know people keep saying i hear it all the time i will you Know the, the no one has, this year is as good as Wolves. I, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure yeah. My opinion's
0: me. changed on that in the last three or four weeks. There might be a couple of teams as good as Wolves, and we might be one of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, Wolves, Wolves are incredible. You've got a player like Ruben Neves in the middle, he's clearly worth 40 50 million quid. But he's, you know, in terms of rolling on the results, just literally ruthlessly rolling out result after result, win after win after win after win, in a style, in an identity, at, at, you know, at intensity. Norwich leads and us are as good as most other teams. You know, Cardiff got promoted last year in second. I would say all three are better than Cardiff. I think that's fair. That might yeah. be biased. I don't know. We'll see when the points come out, but you, you know, you, you can't get over how good leads are. And it's gonna be a Herculean task, I especially after Tuesday and the effort we put in there mm. to go and win at Ellen Road, you know. I I think, you know, if we're talking about the game, what results are good results. If we do not lose that game, that is a great result.
0: Yeah, so completely agree.
1: Let's get out of their status quo because we've both got to go to Birmingham. We've both got to go to Brentford. Leeds, uh, sorry, Preston, which is a Mm -hmm. tough game at the minute for anyone.
0: Yeah, they're 11 unbeaten at the moment.
1: Flying, flying. We'll probably end up in the playoffs if they continue that. I mean, Leeds have got to go to Brentford, quite rightly said. So there's there's opportunity for them to drop points. And Mm. I, I would happily get out of there with a draw right now if you offered me one. If we lose and it goes to five, it's not over, but you then you're asking quite a lot because you can imagine the momentum they'll get at that point, you know, when the games just start to come down at that point, don't they? And tick down. Yeah. It wouldn't be over because it's the championship and it's only two games, but it, it would be a, a mountain to climb if we lose it, this game on Saturday. So It
0: just feels like we're going to have to win every single game it Does to get automatic and that, promotion. And,
1: and that's so strange in the championship. Yeah. Because it doesn't work like that. You know, it, it, that's not the championship. Everyone loses the odd game. And I'm sure they will. You know, I'm sure even Norwich will lose the odd game. But, I'm with you. It feels like almost Leeds may have got after our game may have got one slip up in them at max. Mm. You now maybe they go and draw at Preston or something, but that's it. They're going to beat everyone else because they just they they go for it, <laughs> and we need to go for it. And it's yeah. you know it's going to be a great game. Um, Le- Leeds on the ball are also exceptionally good. I mean, like you said, defensively, there part of the, the reason they're good defensively is because they have so much possession. Yeah, kind of like us. You know, it's hard to attack a team that attack. You know, and Leeds, um, as much as they have the most shots per game, they also contain the fewest shots per game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the highest pressing team in the league. XG wise against, they're around about fourth or fifth. We're, we're the best defending team in the league for expected goals against. Yeah. So, you know, neither of us give up good quality chances at all because we, we tend to dominate the game in terms of territory. to dominate it in terms of possession. They're a side that build from the back, so they're, they're, they're a little less direct than us. We can mix it up. They don't really have that focal point up front so that they build and, and they have a lot of rotation in midfield. It, you know, it's a very fluid shape, so we have to be on it because what they'll do is they'll try and pull us out of position to come through us vertically in a similar kind of way with Brentford, but a little bit more intensity in that because Leeds actually do get the ball out wide and put a lot of crosses in the box. Mm. Um, they, they put basically more crosses than us in the box, so they're actually third highest for crosses in the box. Second, sorry. So, they're second highest for crosses per game, but they also put in the most through balls per game. So, you can see that variation they have is there. You know, they they can get it wide, they can whip it in, but it's not whipped in like a Rotherham style. It's, you know, it's done in a different way, and they can also play through the middle. With Bamford there, they're a little different. With Kimar Roof, they can play a little bit more on the counter attack, and they can also be a little bit more dynamic. With Bamford, it has to be a little bit more intricate because he's not as fast. So they'll try and create high quality chances kind of like we will. It's going to be an intense game. Um, I I don't know. You know, For me, who starts is key. We said it before the derby and I I think the one thing we're going to have to do in this game is is have players who are going to be comfortable on the ball because you're going to be pressed for the life out of you. So you need to be able to keep the ball because if they get on top of you and start turning it over in your heart, pressure is just going to build. So I I wonder if maybe it's the time to bring Mark Duffy off the bench.
0: Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I was slightly surprised to not see him uh against Brentford, but yeah, that suggests to me that it probably was uh it probably does have him in mind for for the Leeds game. Um just want to quickly mention Pablo Hernandez. Wow. Like but you say wow, but I feel like he's having a kind of under the radar season. I don't see many people talking about Pablo Hernandez, but yeah, mm-hmm. so so I mean he's, he's averaging 3 key passes a game, which is the most in the league, I believe. Uh with a um in fact, yes, he leads the league with a, a minimum of twenty appearances. I think um uh I think it's Alan Judge who's got like slightly more, but he's played like hardly any games, so it's kinda of distorted. Uh he has the jo- joint most assists in the league, uh, along with Ben Rama, and he's got ten goals himself. You know, in terms of those key passes, so chances created, uh he's he's you know a full point six ahead of our own Ollie Norwood. Um and I don't think Hernandez takes set pieces, or at least not to the degree that Norwood does. No. He is having an unbelievable season, and I don't understand why. Why there's a? I mean, maybe I've just missed it, but I, I like to feel I'm fairly clued in as to what's going on around the around the championship. I mean, I wondered if maybe it's his age. Obviously, he's thirty three now, so you know this is like his. Uh, I guess the, the last few years of his career, probably compared to someone like Ben Rahmer, who's very much up and coming. But yeah incredible season and a major major danger and a, a big reason why they're at the top of the league
1: yeah you've nailed it really I think he's an age thing I think that's all it can be because he, he, you know it's the Mark Duffy effect I guess that we call it yeah because it was the same with Duffers last year Duffers had those kind of stats not the goals but the assists and the key passes and the chances created and you know only us and really knowledgeable people spoke about that he is without a doubt in the top two or three players in the league Absolutely, yeah. without a doubt, he is utter quality on the ball. For, for for someone of his age, you know, you might look at him this, this this you know aging, slightly Spanish guy, and you might think, oh, he's probably the the luxury player. You know, he's not the one who's pressing. Mm. He's got some of the best pressing stats in the league. Mm. You know, this is a guy who works exceptionally hard. But when you give him the ball, I mean, he, he's he's playing Champions League quarterfinals for Valencia. Yeah. It, it, and he's in the championship. I know the championship's different these days, you know. There's some there's some World Cup players in the in the league. But this guy is exceptionally talented and he's certainly one we're gonna have to keep an eye on. The way yeah. he picks, he's very Duffy esque in his movements and his spaces he picks up, so it, it won't be central. He might drift in there, but he'll he'll drift out wide as well. He'll drift into half spaces. And when Leeds putting crosses, as I said, it's different to Rotherham. It's because Leeds put a lot of crosses in from that kind of inside left and right channel. Kind of like the Norwood. You know how we always flick the ball back to Norwood and he puts that whipped ball in? Yeah. Pavlo's always in them areas, left or right. So it's always those little kind of chip kind of crosses and it's specifically picking out a target rather than just whipping it in from the byline. It's really clever. I've just opened it up there. You know, open play key passes, so take out all the set pieces. And he's he's top, top of the league for that as well. You know, only only Ben Rama and Buendia are really very close to him. So... Mm. Yeah, he, he's certainly the danger man. Um, he, he's the one to watch, and you know the, the rest of them have got quality and they can they can score goals with Bamford, they can score goals through through other areas. But he's definitely the danger man, and he is the one to be aware of whenever they're in in rotation in midfield.
0: Yeah, definitely, it's going to be a really hard game. But I, I will say, I'm I'm not nervous about this game. I feel like you know just relative to how our season's gone and how I expected it to go, it's it's just an opportunity really, and you know if if we lose then all right we have to pray for uh, a minor miracle i suppose in terms of like a point swing cuz you know not only are you then relying on Leeds dropping some more po- dropping points uh, down the last few games but as i say we probably need united to win eight or yeah. nine of the last 10 games or however many it is which is uh, is, is quite an ask <laughs> even even with our current form that's that's still a hell of an ask but yeah it's an opportunity and as i say if we go there like you say if we can go and get a draw i think that's a, a fantastic result and then it's it's game on. I don't think we'll play for a draw because that's not generally what we do. I imagine we'll probably have a similar kind of approach to, to what we sort of had at West Brom or uh, yeah. a couple of games like that. But yeah, no, nothing to be nervous of, I don't think. I mean, you know, even if... Oh. The, I mean, the worst case scenario, like say say we, say we they do to us what they did to West Brom, for example, we end up losing like 4-0 or something. Well, it? it's those are three points gone. We're comfortably in the playoffs. And yeah, uh, yeah just keep keep fighting and see how many points we can get, see if there's any other uh, twists that come our way. I don't want to see any huge negativity from United fans uh, was... if we lose this game. That will really, really annoy me because it will be completely unmerited based on what's happened yes. so far this season.
1: I am so glad you brought that point up because I was going to. <laughs> I, I, I urge any United fans that listen to this, all three of you, You know, <laughs> it's, if we lose this game, and this has not been negative talking about it, it's just say if we lose this game, do not in any way, even if it's 6 0, you know, yeah, you can be negative about the, the individual on the day, but don't be negative in general about the league table. Mm. We're third, and we're clearly at least the third best team in the league, if not second or first. Yeah. All these people, you know, I, I'm sure S2 or me will run the stats if we end up in the playoffs about how many times third team does or doesn't get promoted. It doesn't matter. Season to season, it changes. It matters of the quality of the teams in there, and it matters like who turns up in the playoffs. So we'll get to that bridge if we come to it, but I would expect. I would happily have Sheffield United to beat any team in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I think so as well. there would be a few I don't particularly want to play. I just don't want to play Middlesbrough again. I don't. As it it happens, they might drop out.
1: I don't want to play them because they're boring. Like, you know, and they're quite tight. It's quite hard to win a game against them, but I'd have us to beat them over two legs. I don't, you know, I don't want to talk about playoffs because we do it if we get closer. You know, there's the obvious ones like Villa coming up who are, you know, you probably want to avoid ideally because they're just on Mm. fire. But, you know, I'm like you. I'm nervous in the sense that it's a big game and I'm really eager for us to win it but I'm comfortable in the fact that I trust this squad to go on and put a performance in. They're going to go and do their best and, and they'll give it everything they've got and you know what? If we end up getting on the like at Ramon Lane I mean it's an away game so it's slightly different but we did push Leeds back for long periods of that game and they did adopt some quite strange tactics for them. They sat a little bit deeper mm. in the first half and I think that caused us to get on top and they did come out in the second half and press but if we can push them back because they play with width as well, with Luke Ayling and Alioski, and they play high with width. So if our wing backs get in the game and push them back, who knows? You now this team have not been put under pressure by many teams except Norwich, and they folded. Mm. So, well, who knows?
0: Yeah, let's hope hope for uh, a repeat of that one then. Um, all right, mate. So I'm I'm conscious we're slightly overrun, but I, just before we finish, um, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, Harry Parker Easter Wish and the Just Giving campaign that you are. Uh, supporting, I suppose.
1: Yeah, uh, very quickly. So I, I reached out to Jenny, Harry's mum. Harry wants to summarize for anyone who's not seen it. I've got a just giving page going around on Twitter, which I will retweet after I retweet the pod um, when it's released later. It is basically Harry's wish this Easter that any kids that are on kind of heart surgery wards in the Yorkshire Hospital area, so Chesterfield, Sheffield, he just wants to get them as many Easter eggs as he can. Basically, it's amazing how many kids there is. I was talking to Jenny, there is literally hundreds. Mm. um you know so i know they've got like 300 eggs at the house and the 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 just giving pages up to nearly 600 quid at the minute
0: yeah i'm looking at it now so they're trying to raise a target of 800 pounds or are at 70 percent. so if you're listening uh you'll find the link either on on my twitter uh or on jay's twitter at blades analytic i'll I'll tweet it out um with the podcast as well so yeah please do go and donate because yeah it's a A fantastic cause ahead of Easter, and yeah, there's a load of money raised already. So, least credit to everyone who's donated already.
1: It's amazing, and I think it's actually probably going to do more than eggs as well for the charity that it's for. It's going straight to the charity, so that you know, don't needs to worry about it. It's going straight to Children's Heart Surgery Fund. Brilliant, Mm -hmm. brilliant fund. You know, and they're the people who look after Harry. Harry's Harry's got a condition. I think everyone, everybody knows about it. You know, I I don't know him. I don't know his mum, but I've read his story. Especially as a dad, it appeals to me. You know. Born with, born with, limiting conditions, but what a little guy he is, and uh, his mum's a legend as well. She does a lot of work, and I think uh, whatever Harry suggests they should do to help others, his mum's like, okay, so that's me who's got to take that on. <laughs> so I reached out to her and said, you know, if there's one thing me and you can do, then it's social media. So let's let's try and let's try and help you out from the computer side of it a bit by like setting up a page and making this a bit more of an organised thing. And the blades have been brilliant. There's some Norwich fans and Ipswich fans and a couple of Wednesday fans as well. So big credit to anyone who's donated don't feel obliged but you know even if it's a quid if you want to get involved please come and donate because at the end of the day the target says 800 but it's not going to stop there the more and more we get the more and more that fund gets and and that fund's very close to harry and jenny so uh, yeah thank you to everyone and thanks for letting me promote that mate. right
0: no no it's uh yeah it's like i say it's it's a fantastic cause and um yeah I'm, i'm very proud to have donated myself and hopefully uh, you know, people listening to this will go and do likewise. Um, so yeah, look out for the link on our Twitter, uh, and yeah, go and uh, please do donate. Um, all right, buddy. Uh, I think that's everything we got. Uh, uh, a fantastic win against Brentford, like just a great night at Bramall Lane. Yeah, this the atmosphere at the end as it you know as we kind of even before the second goal as we were kind of inching closer to full time, and then obviously the scenes after the the full time whistle as well, just really really memorable one of one of the you know the best best nights at Bramall Lane for uh, a couple of years I suppose since we got back to the championship and yeah I mean that's the other point I guess to round off on you know the reason why I would say don't be nervous out of this Leeds game because this is what we wanted you know we spent six years yeah. in, in League One scrapping around losing at home to South End and fleetwood no offense to those teams um and you know now we're up near the top of the championship we're playing for a chance to get in the premier league and the consolation prize is the playoffs. so just uh yeah nothing to be nervous about let's let's go attack it and enjoy it basically
1: yeah 100% any i'm unfortunately not going but any players that are going go and enjoy your day and, and go and fight those boys because uh you know, I won't get into atmospheres or things, but Wild has definitely been calling it on in recent weeks. And I know I've been to away games recently. Went to Norwich and away games are great crowds normally, but it's uh, you know home and away for the rest of the season. You know those boys are. I mean, that game proved, if, if nothing else, those boys are giving us every last ounce of the energy and body they've got for that shirt. So I think it's uh, it's high time that we did the same in the stands and gave them some noise because it's going to be quite a raucous atmosphere. It's a Yorkshire derby and it's a massive game, so make sure they can hear the blade singing make sure they can hear Greasy Chip and back them all the way you never know what they're going to come out with
0: nice one beautifully put all right mate I will speak to you later thanks very much for joining us all right buddy take care cheers take it easy bye -bye. mate bye mate